You want me to start from jump, or can I keep going from where I am? All right, cool. <laughs> um, so why is this important, and why are we talking about this? Turn it on and off? Okay. Boom. All right, so why are we talking about this? Why is it important? Um, and so the first reason is that God, God calls us to be united as a church. Um, so let's flip to Acts 1-8 quickly. And Acts 1-8 reads... Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. Um, and this is coming from um, the promise of the Holy Spirit after Jesus has ascended, and there is the promise that he's giving to his disciples and the commission that he's giving them um, to go and, and to, to bring God's word and the gospel um, to Jerusalem and to Judea. And so the first reason that this specifically is important is because of our mandate as believers, which is to go and to spread this, to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, and the second reason is that effective churches, um, and in order for churches to be effective, we have to be united. Um, and so the second passage we're going to go to is Acts 4, uh, verses 32 through 37. And so that reads, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called the apostle Barnabas, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it to the apostles' feet. Um, and so I brought this specific passage through because um, as it talks about those being in need, bringing their what they had and bring what they had in store to the apostles. I think the important part about it is you have to understand who is in need in order to serve those who are in need. Um, and one thing that generational differences can uh, bring about is miscommunication. Um, and people from different generations might misread um, a need or the way that people are presenting a need in such a way that they can't truly understand how to meet the need. Um, so another reason that this is important and why talking about this is important is because effective churches have to be united. Um, <clears throat> the third thing, um, and goes back to just why unity is so important in the first place, uh, is the danger of division in the church and how easily division in the church can happen. Um, and so 1 Corinthians 1 is the next passage that we're going to go to. I'm not sure if anybody else wants to read. I'm not sure how we do that in here. But if anybody else cares to read, please feel free. 
perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning me, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household that there are contentions in my name. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apostle, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Yeah, I think it's crazy the, the different nuances that can bring about division. So here they're talking about division by the people that baptized them. Um, so yeah, basically, yo, no, Elder Gray baptized me. No, Elder Ward baptized me. So because of that, I have more of an allegiance or I have more of uh, a following to him versus, you know, to the church at large. So I think that this verse uh, specifically shows one, it shows the danger of the division, as Paul is warning them against what that division can mean. But I think also it talks about the nuances and how easy it is for us to have little pockets within a church and how that can divide and prevent unity within a church. Um, and that's important because as we look at a generation, there's going to be a lot of different um, social, technological, cultural things that can bring about customs and different ways of, of doing or communicating. Um, and so even more than just somebody baptizing them as we look at generations and how that can affect people at large, um, there can be real differences that can change the way that we uh, talk, communicate, and work within a body. And so we have to be aware of that because it's important for us to be united. Um, so why is this important? Why are we talking about it? The first thing is because uh, God has called us to be united as a church, and there are very real things that can cause division within a church. Um, and the second reason, second reason is because uh, we are currently facing a dilemma or a cultural shift in our country um, where the younger generations are a lot less likely to be at church. So um, I'm not sure how visible this is, but basically this first slide up here is talking about the differences in religious affiliations by generation. Um, so as you start at the bottom, that is uh, the silent generation. Um, and as you go up, it gets younger. So the most important thing to look at is the purple all the way on the right, because that talks about the um, number of people that are unaffiliated or do not have any um, religious affiliation or don't proclaim to. So as you can see, that number is steadily rising as the generations get younger and younger. Um, similarly, on the bottom, it talks about the likelihood to engage in religious formal activities. Um, and so, as you can see there, um, the likelihood to attend religious service, attend Sunday school, um, which are the two you know, ones that affect us the most at church are also getting less and less likely as you proceed from the silent generation up to Generation Z. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's not, that shouldn't come to as a shock to anybody, but seeing it in, in graph helps to drive the point home that there is a changing demographic um, in the church. And so now specifically, yeah, so now specifically it's very important for us to uh, pay attention to the differences in generation, um, especially as it relates to passing on the torch or passing on the work. Um, I think we see that previous generations, um, the silent generation, baby boomer generation X, they're ready to pass on the torch, um, but nobody is 
looking to grab the baton. <laughs> so we're on the relay race, um, and unfortunately we can't move to the next step unless there's somebody who's ready and willing to grab the torch. And it's not just you know, in this church or in this state, but across the nation, across the world, we are seeing that generations are not looking to pick up that torch. Um, and there's a couple of reasons. We're not going to dive too deeply into it today, um, but there's a lot of... So I'll step back really quickly. Um, because in this slide, the one thing that tells a slightly different story um, is the one on the far right. In the bottom graph on the far right, the likelihood to read scriptures or religious stories with your family. As you can see, in the silent generation, the baby boomers, that was less than as you proceed up to millennial and Generation Z. So that tells me that even though people are less likely to come to church and less likely to engage formally in religious services, that there is still um, a desire to take on their spiritual or their spirituality into, you know, their own hands. But unfortunately, they're misguided because there's not community and there's not church that surrounds that. So people are more likely to want to engage, but they just don't see the need to engage in church. Um, and so moving on to the next slide, there's a couple of reasons that can be related to that. Technological advancements with the rise of online services. Uh, people don't equate spirituality with God or Jesus. They, you know, talk about crystals, astrology, other things like that. And that's their idea of spirituality, but they don't uh, equate their spirituality with church, the need for community, and the building, not the building, but the uh, engaging in service and engaging in the work. Um, and so... Those are a couple of reasons why this is specifically important to talk about today. Now, now that we understand why it's important to talk about, let's talk about what's at stake. So what happens if we do not work together intergenerationally, if we don't understand what it means to collaborate in a way that's effective? And there's a couple of things that I've seen uh, from the word. So the first thing is apathy. Hello? The first thing is apathy to sin and apathy to God. Um, the second thing is the absence of leaders. The third is the removal of God's favor. Uh, and the four is just prevention to the spreading of the gospel. So those are all things that I don't want, <laughs> all things that I don't think any of us should want. So let's dive into what that looks like. And just to give a, a preface, today we're going to talk a lot about the problem and the issue and dive into exactly what that is. Next week, we're going to flip it around and talk a lot about the solutions, but I don't want to, I just want to preface that. I don't want to, you know, to go through all the problem and everybody's looking like, oh, so what do we do? We'll get there, but <laughs> this week is talking about the problem. Um, so, Judges 2, 7 to 10. Uh, and I'll start at actually verse 6. Um, when Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of his land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, 
and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath Harris, maybe, uh, in the hill of the country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So, as we see, when there is no connection between generations, not even a connection, but when there's no um, collaboration or instruction, when we don't understand how to work together and unity to pass on lessons and to share the experiences that we've had, um, there becomes an apathy to, to sin and apathy to God. Um, there becomes a generation that does not know what God has specifically done in your life, what God, like the, the battle specifically, like not just generally, specifically. <laughs> we're talking about dates. We're talking about, <laughs> we're talking the details, the when, what, where, how, and why, and how that specifically impacted you in the moment and where you were before, how God brought you through and where you were after. We need the details. We're a generation of details. We want to know why. Um, and so if, if you're not passing that down and if they don't, if they can't empathize and understand your God and know your God, then we see that there becomes a disconnect between the next generation and God. Um, and so with judges specifically, um, this is after the children of Israel have wandered in the wilderness and we're, this is after the time of Moses, and now ending after the time of Joshua, after they have come into the promised land. Um, and, but they still have more territory to conquer. Um, and, and, um, and Joshua dies. And after Joshua dies, we see that there is a disconnect. Um, God has called the children of Israel to go into uh, the land and basically to get rid of all the ites. There's a lot of ites. I'm not going to talk about all the ites because I don't know all of them, but Canaanites and Moabites and blase, blase, blase bites. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of ites, and they did not get rid of the ites. They allowed the ites to stay there, um, and they did not fully get them out of the way. And so when they did that, there was a lot of people that came and were able to rub their shoulders, their gods, their way of doing things on the children of Israel. Um, and without that understanding of the way that God brought the children of Israel through uh, the wilderness to the promised land, and without those elders, because those elders died, Joshua and all the other elders died, um, we see now that they are just in the promised land, but without an understanding of what it took to get to the promised land. So they're just seeing the fruits of their labor, or fruits of the elders' labors before them, the benefits of living in the land, but don't understand what it took to get there. So another reason is um, that apathy to God happened in this specific instance um, is that there are so many other things that the world presents as answers um, that unless there is direct communication and discipleship between generations, um, that the truth can get lost. Um, 
think those were all my points for that. Cool. Um, so the next one, or the next thing that can happen when there's not strong communication between generations is the absence of leaders. Um, and so I think this is, this is important. Um, and we're not diving too deeply into these examples of mentorship this week, um, but lack of strong intergenerational relationships prevents adequate training of leaders, which prevents um, leaders that can sustain and take a next generation uh, or lead a next generation and, and lead um, God's people the right way. Um, so positive examples are Elijah and Elisha. Um, we see that Elisha is with Elijah, staying by his side, and when he, he goes, um, he asks for a double portion of Elisha's, uh, Elijah's spirit. Um, see Moses and Joshua, that transition happened well. Joshua was serving by, by Moses' side, I think, for 40 years before he was uh, called to step into leadership. Um, and then Paul and Timothy and Titus and all the other churches in the new generation that he is currently or consistently writing letters to, those are all examples of positive intergenerational relationships and what it looks like to provide discipleship and training to leaders. Um, now what it looks like to provide, or what a negative example looks like, is Eli and Hophni and Phinehas um, in 1 Samuel when those boys were just running wild and Eli wasn't doing anything to get them under leash. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's jump into the next one as well because with the absence of uh, leadership also um, can potentially mean the removal of God's favor. Uh, so let's talk about Eli. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 27 through 34. Well... <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah. Um, so, so Eli and Hophni and Phineas are from the line of uh, Levi. And so they've been called to be priests for a long time. And the fact that Eli, we don't, we don't know much about Eli and his relationships with his son. 
In verses 22 through 26, it talks about Eli rebuking his sons, but his sons are grown at this point, so it probably should have said Eli rebuked his son, in parentheses, too late. Um, But we don't know that. We don't know that for sure. But we do know that his sons were running rampant through the streets, um, taking sacrifices from the Lord, like a portion of them, sleeping with all the women in the town. They were just just out of of hand. Um, And so what we see is that the result of Eli's lack of instruction and discipline and teaching has effects not on just him and his son, but all the generations to come. This is crazy. I don't want to dig too deep into this because it's kind of depressing a little bit um, when, you, when you think about the gravity of what God is saying to them in this moment. It's like, I've not only stripped the blessing of this generation from you, but from your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Like, um, yeah, so I don't want to dig too deep in it. But back to the point of this can lead to the removal of God's favor or the lack of intergenerational and focusing on intergenerational collaboration, unity, uh, instruction can lead to the removal of God's favor. So another example of this is also uh, in Judges. And Judges chapter 2 again, um, verses 19 through 21. Caitlin? Yeah, I think another thing that's scary about this is the. Sorry, sister, can you read the last verse again? I will no longer drive out the nations that Joshua left unconquered when he died. Sorry, the last two verses. Yeah, I think what's, what's also um, kind of scary about this is that these are promises that, that God already made um, to, to Joshua, to the children of Israel. Um, and their, I guess, their lack of preparation of proper stewardship, of passing these, these lifelong lessons, these experiences down to the next generation is causing this environment where the next generation is throwing all of that away. Um, and we see after you know, this that there's a, the, all the ites stay in the areas, that they pick up the gods or the other ites, and um, that they don't fully extinguish them from the land. Um, and so, yeah, I think just another, another thing to keep in mind is that the um, lack of the intergenerational community, um, unity, and collaboration uh, can cause things that you have worked your entire life for to not filter into the next generation. Um, 
And then the last one, which is also coming from Judges, um, and we don't have to read this because it's, it's a long uh, passage, the 19 to the 36, but uh, basically it creates obstacles to spreading the gospel. And we've talked about now a couple different times how uh, the children of Israel have not extinguished the other ites from the land. Um, and so what that happens and what that means is that because they didn't extinguish them from the land, their gods, what they worshipped, their customs were intermingled with the children of Israel, right? And so God's purpose was for his gospel, for his people to spread out and conquer those lands. Um, and unfortunately, because of, um, yeah, because of the, the disconnect between the generations and the fact that uh, the children of Israel did not understand, uh, or the children of Israel that were left after Joshua and the elders died, did not understand all that they had gone through. Um, now we see that they allow the, uh, all the ites to stay in the land. Um, and so I think what we can see as a parallel from the children of Israel to now, um, that a lack of generational unity can lead to um, a, a workforce or a body that is not fully equipped to go out and conquer the land quote, unquote, or spread the gospel that way that God has called us to do. Um, and so, yeah, it just creates obstacles to spreading the gospel. Uh, this is a, a divided church or a lack of understanding of how to fully um, take, the, take the message out into other areas um, is going to prevent us from uh, adequately uh, and fully stepping into the way that God has called us to in terms of spreading the gospel. Um, and so just to go back up to, uh, this, the four things that we see are at stake. Oh, sorry. The four things that we see are at stake is the apathy to sin and God, um, the absence of leaders, the removal of God's favor, uh, and the lack of instruction and boundaries to spreading the gospel. So... Now we have talked about um, why this is important to talk about. We talked about what's at stake. So now let's talk about what's at the roots of this problem um, or why aren't we working together effectively. And we'll start talking about this a little bit, but we're going to dive a little bit more into um, it next week. So the first thing, um, and again, when I was first doing this, I was like, okay, why aren't we working together effectively? Let me dive into all the, all the differences between the generations. What are their working styles? What are their communication styles? How do they work in the workplace? What are the different, I, I wanted to go all the way through that route. Um, and God kind of convicted me and he was like, you know, this starts with me, the, the division um, and the unity that I want in the church starts with me. The division and how to kind of battle that starts with me, but also, you know, I'm the only one who works in the hearts of people. Um, and this is something that is, you know, affecting people, affecting people with generations, but um, it starts with basically spiritual factors or spiritual battles that can cause uh, division between generations and that we must address. Um, so the first one is pride. Um, and I wanted to talk about Saul specifically because I think Saul uh, adequately embodies uh, pride 
in him being in the older generation one time and him being the younger generation. So um, for Saul, uh, with Saul and Samuel, um, there was a, and I did not put the verse down, but there's a time period when uh, Saul was instructed to go and to wipe out, um, it was the Moab, Moabites, it was, it was one of the ites. Um, he, was, he was instructed to go and wipe out the Moabites. Um, Samuel got instruction from God, which he relayed to Saul, and basically told Saul that um, they needed to wipe out women and children, men and women, cattle, everything needed to go. Um, however, when Saul got there, he decided to keep the king alive. He also decided to keep the best of the sheep and the cattle as a sacrifice to God, right? Um, and so I think that this is a good example of what we as a younger generation can tend to do, which is um, hear the guidance and the counsel of older generations, um, but still feel like we have a way that's better, um, which is pride, <laughs> which is arrogance. Um, this is something that Saul embodied uh, and because of it, um, you know, lost favor as well. So I think this is something that, as a younger generation, we definitely need to uh, address and continue to address is um, taking guidance, taking counsel, um, and not always feeling like we have a way that's better. Um, the next way that Saul embodied this um, was in his jealousy uh, against David. So uh, when David was, um, you know, coming up and having all his legions, winning all his battles, uh, Saul got threatened by that. He did get threatened. He looked at David. He looked at his youth. He looked at the way that people were responding to him. Uh, and he felt a type of way. He did. Um, and so I think on, uh, I'm not sure if this is as good of a fit, but um, when there are younger generations who are doing things a different way and who may be getting a different reaction, there's also a need and importance of allowing them to work in their, yeah, in their gifts and to not have a threatened or to not feel threatened by their type of, I don't know, ability. Um, and so I think that there's a two-sided coin here, but we both need to address it. Uh, younger generations need to be open and willing to ask for help, and when they get help, to see and not always want to do things their way. And older generations um, accept that there are different ways of doing things that can have the same result or better result, and to still feel comfortable with giving the wise counsel that you can to allow people to work in the gifts that they have. Um, and so I think that we see that this spiritual battle causes division uh, in churches, and so we need to understand how to address it because the communication, the lack of communication that can happen uh, when there's a pride or assumption of how to do things is things that can break down um, the unison that should be flourishing in churches. Um, I think another thing is judgment. Um, so I asked a question in our life group uh, two weeks ago, 
about what people were or what younger generations were looking for uh, in churches. And the overwhelming response to the questions were welcoming, community, it was home. You know, it was, it was, it was the theme of we're looking to be welcomed, we're looking to be home. Um, so I think that it can, we can feel judgment. I think younger generations can feel judgment. You know, I think that even when there is the best uh, heart behind how you're interacted, you can come into a space and feel if you're truly wanted, if you're truly accepted, or if there's reservations. Um, and so whether there's going to be judgment one way or another, but I think that if you can form relationships and forge relationships to communicate and to understand versus just not understanding and kind of holding your reservations back, that can be felt, and, and we do feel that. So I think um, the, for, for older generations to younger generations, that judging actions without relation or communication is where there can be a divisive nature and divisive uh, energy that can, can lead to work not being uh, fulfilled. And I think younger to older generations, I think there's also judgment there as well. There's judging um, how things are done without, uh, and I don't know, ability to relate or how they do things, again, without communication, without understanding why there might be certain reservations, why there might be a little bit more, you know, a risk-adverse way to doing things or, you know, just not understanding. Um, and so I think that uh, both of these things can cause division if not tackled with prayer and intention. Um, but I think these are two battles that can cause division between generations and that we, we need to address um, if we're going to work together effectively. So the next thing, and this is, this specifically um, is more so from a uh, younger generation point of view because I am technically younger, um, relatively. <laughs> Um, and so as we go into next week, we're st we'll start transitioning into solutions for, for all these things. But um, for, for today, we're going to wrap up with understanding generational differences and specifically what younger generations are looking for in churches um, in order to understand how to work together effectively and, and in order to understand how to be united. Um, and so first, let's go to, because we haven't had any scripture in a while, First uh, Corinthians... Six, one, and two. Ooh. Hold on one second. Sorry, family, I definitely wrote down the wrong verse. All right, well, I will paraphrase until I find the right one. But basically, this verse is was talking about how um, 
the the change for the the needs of church changed over time. So it's talking about how there are widows from Hellenist um, and how their needs were not being met. Um, and so that was causing up uh, tension and, and stirring up basically strife in the church. Uh, and so the point that I was going to go from there is that um, as churches grow and get bigger, there inevitably, inevitably will be changing needs. Um, and so as we look at the, even the, the chart that we looked at earlier today and saw a reduce in um, the number of people who are engaged actively in formal church services or who have religious affiliations, um, that speaks to the changing needs that a new generation uh, is going to have and the changing needs that our generation does have. Um, and so as we adapt and, and think to how we work together effectively and even how we look to engage and work through and with the next generation, um, we have to understand those needs if we're going to work together effectively. And so um, the first one that we're going to talk about briefly is transparency. Um, and so we talked about this a little bit earlier um, as we were talking about the what, when, how, and why in terms of how we want to understand with detail how God has worked in and through your life. Um, and so instruction without, without application or tangible examples is something that our generation um, doesn't cling, not cling to, but it doesn't resonate as much. There's like so many different questions and follow-ups that we will have and that we tend to have. Um, even, even just walking in relationship, we're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation that if there's not a um, transparency in the level of, um, I don't know, admittance, but a level of detail with specifically how God has brought you through, is bringing you through now, also not just, you know, how God brought you through 10, 20 years ago, because that's not as relevant to us. Like, we want to know what's going on now and why and how God is working through and with you in this present moment. Otherwise, it's not as relatable, um, and it's harder for us to, to latch on to. Ooh, I thought I paraphrased this. Uh, but anyway, these were my thoughts. So the second one was depth. Um, so I think that something that our generation struggles with is that um, we have access to too much information. Um, we have access to information at the drop of our hand. Uh, we see whenever there's like a scandal or whenever there's something new that pops up, like we see it, we have access to it. Whenever a pastor cheats on his wife and, and it's outed, we see it. Whenever something happens in the you know, Catholic church or those scandals come out, we see it. We have access to it. And so it leaves us wondering, like when we're looking at, and you know, on, on top of that, we also see what's going on in day-to-day -day interactions in our church services or in our communities. So if we come in and we see that there is a division or a lack of welcoming, or there's things that are going on in the church that are also going on outside of the church, there's a questioning there of, okay, so what exactly here is the difference? What exactly, if, if I'm not seeing you walk consistent, if I'm not walking consistently with you, and I'm only seeing what's going on in the organization, and the organization to me isn't seeming too much different from what I'm seeing outside, what am I latching onto? Um, and those are questions that people have asked, those are questions my friends have asked, that actively ask. Um, and so without the real understanding of how God has moved in your life 
how God has seen you through, and what that difference looks like. And sometimes you can only see that difference from actively walking with a person. Like, it's not something that you can pick up on Sundays. It's only something that you can pick up from living and walking day to day with somebody. And so if you don't have access to that or access to a person, um, then it's very hard to see what that looks like. And so depth is important, uh, depth of relation, depth of um, interaction, um, like not just in church, but also how do we serve outside of church? How is that manifesting outside of church? What are we doing together that is um, exemplifying this love that God has shown us and this love that we are now giving to other people? It's, it's depth. It's multiple different touch points where we can see um, how our, our faith is being lived out. Um, I think another thing that we're looking for is sermons and how they help navigate current lives. And that's something that you do well, Pastor, so it's not something that, you know, specifically is uh, to this church. But in general, um, how is what I'm learning on Sunday affecting how I'm interacting with my friends or affecting how I'm going to school or affecting how I'm navigating my finances, like affecting how I'm anxious when I have to give a presentation at work? Um, how does the thing that I'm learning, how does my God um, translate to how I'm living and how I'm acting and, and uh, yeah, how, how I'm interacting with my life on a day-to-day basis? Um, so community is another one. I think that kind of goes back into um, the whole idea of depth and how are the things that I'm doing on a consistent basis, um, not just within church, but how does that manifest to what we're doing outside of church and organizations? How are we serving together? Um, how are we doing life together? Are there things that we do outside of church? Is there like any uh, common ground that we have um, where we can do things that we both enjoy together? Um, and then this last thing, hope and heroes versus love and lessons. We'll go a little bit further into last week, but it basically just talks about the difference that um, generations look at when they're looking for a church. Um, and so Love and Lessons is basically um, that silent generation through Generation X. They're coming to church to get their lesson. They're coming to church to experience some love. Um, but in our generation, we have access to a lot more information. And so that caused a lot, pe- a lot of people to feel a lot more burdened by the things that are going on in the world. Not that you know you guys didn't, but it's just like a lot of people feel like every problem that's happening is their problem because they see it on their phone all the time. Um, and so uh, in terms of what they're looking for, it's, it's hope and then there's also um, you know, leaders that they can galvanize behind, which also goes into specifically how you disciple people and create relationships and mentor people so that they can have um, you know, evidences of what love feels like tangibly um, and on a day-to-day basis. So that pretty much wraps up for today. Uh, But just to give a overview of what we talked about. Um, So why is this important? It's important because God called us to be united as a church um, and there will always be division that comes uh, between uh, a church family and generations are just one examples of how division can seep into a church uh, with the cultural and, and 
communication and different differences that affect generations. Uh, secondly, younger generations are less likely to be involved at church, which we see from uh, the graph that basically illustrates um, the declining trend of younger generations being affiliated with church and being affiliated with formal religion in general. Uh, what's at stake if we do not address this problem? Um, apathy to sin and God uh, when generations don't work to get together effectively, absence of leaders and the removal of God's favor, as well as uh, inst uh, obstructions to spreading the gospel. And then lastly, uh, the root of the problem, um, spiritual battles that cause division, as well as intergenerational differences in how we communicate and operate and what we're looking for at a church. Um, and so all is not lost. Uh, next generation, I mean, next week, we will talk a lot more about the solutions to this and how tangibly and um, uh, spiritually we can work together um, to battle this trend and to battle, um, you know, this division and to work together and strive together for unity. Um, but yeah, this is just a, an overview of the problem that we're facing. Uh, so let us pray with that. Dear Lord, um, thank you for who you are, God. Thank you that you are the God of every generation, God. Um, thank you for, um, yeah, you're just your protection, God. Uh, thank you that although the enemy is working um, to divide the church, God, that you are working to unite us, God. Thank you that there are people um, here, God, that are willing and able, God, to fight um, for your kingdom and to fight for your church, God. Thank you for the heart of the leaders in this church, God, to address um, this problem, God, and, and, and hopefully for the heart of uh, the younger generation, God, to continue to stir up to want to take the baton on, God. And so we just thank you for this opportunity to discuss um, amongst all of us um, this problem. And we just pray that we can continue to understand and, under, and uncover, God, um, the nuances behind it, um, that you will show us ways to address it and to fight it um, with you at the center, God, um, and also very tangible ways, God, that we can make this church an opening and welcoming place to all um, so that we can do the work that you have called us to do. So I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.